0: It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast.
1: Welcome to IHSA Safety Podcast. I'm Enzo Garitano. We continue our series about fall protection in construction. This series of podcasts features Brian Barron, Senior Manager of the Construction Health and Safety Program with the Ministry of Labor, Training and Skills Development. Let's continue the conversation with Brian. Here's your host, Michelle Roberts.
0: So Brian, if you can, let's talk about some of the most common issues identified from inspectors, whether that's either during a reactionary site visit, proactive visit or maybe during um, one of the blitzes that's scheduled um, with heightened enforcement on fall protection?
2: Yeah so what I would say is kind of you know one of the biggest misnomers is especially when we're doing a blitz um, so let's say it was a fall related blitz or initiative uh, in the construction sector is that we're only looking at uh, that particular hazard now you know obviously that's going to be a focus um, of our visit when we're doing that that blitzer initiative Um, but we will take a look at really kind of a lot of different types of hazards usually what we do is regardless of whether it's a proactive or a reactive visit um, we are always looking for contraventions that we know uh, have really kind of a higher frequency or um really kind of a you know a higher chance of leading to uh, serious injury or death. So good examples of that would be falls, obviously. Um, that is a major, major focus for us. Uh, but there's also the struck bys or hit bys. So that could be struck by equipment um, or material. Um, so even equipment kind of uh, moving back into a worker um, or even the bucket of a piece of equipment hitting a worker. Uh, there's also excavations. Excavations can be very unstable. Um, so workers, you know, working in an excavation that doesn't have, a, you know, an appropriate support system uh, in place is is a significant concern for us. And then even electrical issues. Um, so workers being uh, electrocuted uh, or even receiving an electrical shock. And that's really just to name a few. Um some other things that we look at uh, when we're on the site is really access to and egress from work areas. So can the workers uh, pass safely from, say, the job site trailer or where they're parked or where their equipment's stored to the area that they're working, as well as housekeeping issues. They kind of run hand in hand. So is the site kept in good shape? Is there a lot of material laying around? Is the ground uneven? Um, Is sort of the snow and ice maintained in the winter? All of those fall under um, kind of those housekeeping issues. And those also lead to a lot of slips and trips, uh, which result in broken ankles, broken wrists, that type of thing. Uh, we also take a look at administrative controls that directly impact the internal responsibility system. So things like having a functioning joint health and safety committee or health and safety representative in place, or in the case of a larger site, a workers trade committee, um, but then also looking at training and supervision. So, you know, are the supervisors actively supervising the workers? So when they see an issue, when they see a worker who is um, isn't following um, either the, the site policies or procedures or the, the act or the regulations, are they dealing with it? Uh, but then also having the appropriate level of training in place uh, is obviously a really big concern for us. So a highly trained worker, a worker who knows how to adapt um, to certain situations and deal with hazards uh, so that they don't become an issue uh, is obviously a safe worker. So those are all things that we look for on really sort of a typical um, site visit.
0: Okay, thanks for that Brian and expanding on um, you know the most common hazards or issues that are identified can you also touch on what are the most frequently issued orders?
2: yeah, definitely so. Um, so there's kind of, the, so there's two groupings of orders really. So you've got orders out of the act and the regulation, which are, are usually sort of physical contraventions. So you would have say a lack of, of head protection and that's sort of our number one order. It has been for a long time. Uh, so not wearing a hard hat, uh, which is required at all times on a construction project, but then you also have other types of orders. And one of our main orders that we see all of the time, or one of the most frequently issued is called a stop work order. Um, now that stop work order is known as a companion order. and it's issued alongside of a physical contravention. So if a worker was not wearing their fall protection equipment while up on a roof, we would issue them uh, an order for fall protection, which is also sort of in our top couple of orders. But then we would issue a companion order that says, you have to stop work until you correct that. And what that stop work order really does is it indicates to us that there was an imminent danger that the inspector felt needed to be stopped at that time, which, which is concerning to us. So anytime that we see that type of an order um, being issued, regardless of the physical contravention that it accompanies, it tells us that there was an imminent danger that an inspector had to stop at the time. So when we see those types of things, we we are very concerned about it. Now getting back to sort of that physical contravention side of it. So we've got hard hats uh, or headwear is really kind of the the number one and it has been for quite a long time but then we get into fall protection and failure to have guardrails uh in place so you've got those fall protection orders um then we've also got some administrative orders so you've got notice of projects so a notice of project is where uh we get notified that a construction project is ongoing and when we don't receive that notice of project um usually it's it's just that either either the constructor wasn't aware of their responsibility to notify us, or they were trying to not notify us so that we wouldn't know where they were, which is is of obvious concern. Um, But then we also get into uh, failing to wear adequate protective footwear. So wearing uh, the appropriate footwear with steel toe and shank um, to protect the workers' feet uh, on a construction project. And then we've also got one of our major issues, our failure to provide really kind of the appropriate grade ladder. Uh, And then there's a whole series of of orders that go along with that as well, which uh, really get into sort of how it's... Uh, set up on site, how it's used and, and that sort of thing. Um, so ultimately, there's those are really kind of our major ones. We also get a lot into uh, scaffolding. So scaffold use um, on construction projects. So if scaffolding isn't erected appropriately or it's missing cross bracing, that type of thing, we see a lot of orders for that as well.
0: Okay, thanks. If we can, I'd like to expand a little bit more on ladders because I know that um, that tends to be either contributing factor when we're reviewing stats related to falls, um, and something that, um, you know, we want to prevent as falls. So can you expand on ladders and what are you seeing on ladders and like what's not happening properly with them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I can. Um, so ladders are probably, I'm going to say it's, it's probably the most abused, uh, piece of, of construction equipment, uh, that's out there. So what we end up seeing is is every ladder, um, number one on a construction project, has to either be a grade 1, grade 1A, or grade 1AA uh, ladder, and that's under the CSA standard. Um, and the reason that's in place is that the weight requirements, uh, as well as the stability requirements for the actual ladder, uh, need to be maintained for the use on a construction project. Now, some of the things that we see uh, pretty regularly is the ladder, number one, isn't set up at the right angle. So every ladder, uh, usually it, it has to be set up uh, between a one to three to a one to four ratio um, against you know, a a structure, a house, whatever it's being set up against, Uh, or in the case of something like a stepladder, making sure that the legs on it are fully extended and the spreader bars are locked, um, that type of thing. So they're, they're not set up properly. Uh, When we get into extension ladders, uh, quite frequently what we see is the ladder is not tied off or secured at the top and bottom. So they'll just put the ladder up against the building or structure uh, and start working. The problem with that is that the ladder starts to shift or move. There's nothing to stop it. Um, Then we also get into fault protection issues with ladders as well. So any worker working off of a ladder above uh, three meters or 10 feet in height needs to be still attached to an approved uh, fall arrest system. Okay, so it's still full body harness with a lanyard, a rope grab, a lifeline, and then an anchor system somewhere. Um, so those are are some of the things that we see. Now, what we also see a lot of the time is workers overextending on the ladder. And when I say that, what I mean is if you can picture yourself sort of standing in the middle of a ladder, you've got the rails running up on either side of the ladder you're standing on the rung uh and the worker has to overreach so they go outside of the rails of the ladder to reach over to do something else versus actually moving the ladder to a more appropriate location. Now ladders have the ability to become very unstable when that happens. So as soon as you move what the, you know, sort of the common test is really sort of moving your belt buckle outside of the rails of the ladder. So your midsection uh, or your center of gravity has now moved outside the rails of the ladder. Um, It causes the ladder to become unstable. You can fall off. The ladder can overturn or twist as a result of it. So there's a lot of hazards. Now, you know, with, with the use of ladders. Um, Another thing is making sure that you maintain three-point contact uh, when climbing a ladder, which means two hands and a foot or two feet and a hand. Um, And then if you're working from the ladder, it's the ability to maintain or or achieve three-point contact. So you may be working with both of your hands leaning up against the ladder. um, But let's say something shifts, you become unstable. You have the ability to grab the ladder again with your hands. That's very important from a stability standpoint. The other point that I'd like to raise with it as well is also material. So carrying material up a ladder. Uh, you really can't carry material up a ladder. Uh, anything that you go up a ladder with should be on your tool belt. Uh, there's a couple reasons for that. One is not being able to maintain that three-point contact or achieve the three-point contact. But the other is also overloading the ladder. Uh, when you consider the fact that that most ladders set in a construction grade ladder is You know, 250 pounds to 275 pounds. Um, You add a construction worker, a work belt with tools, plus material to it. You're actually overloading that ladder uh, pretty considerably. So you have to find another way to get the material up to the area uh, where you're working uh, and be able to climb that ladder independent of that.
0: So, as you described, you know, ladders are a key concern. So, what are some of the alternative methods that could be used on a construction site instead of a ladder?
2: Yeah. So. With that, we could there's there's a few different options, um, one of which is a power elevating work platform. There's a couple of different types. there's scissor lifts or cherry pickers or boom elevating type work platforms. Um, or you could also use scaffolding. Um, both of those provide great platforms uh, for workers. They are more ergonomically correct. generally speaking, they're they're much safer uh, than a ladder, and it provides a good work area for workers to work from.
0: Well, th- that's been some great examples, so thank you very much in expanding on um, what you're seeing out there w- with uh, ladders, and as you said, properly not being used or the correct ladder, not following um, proper setup, um, or like you say, being tied off when required, or overextending and reaching. Um, and it's it's important, I think, uh, one of the key topics we want to reinforce with the um, Falls Awareness Week is certainly ladder safety. And uh, one of the toolkits that IHSA has put together in support of Falls Awareness week and beyond um, the designated week in May, it does include several safety talks, um, hazard assessments, risk risk associated um, sheets that you can apply in your workplace to assess the hazards in particularly when it comes to ladder use and designated safety talks on the different types of ladders and how to properly utilize them and the controls that should be put in place. So thanks so much, Brian, for expanding on that.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode. In support of preventing falls from heights on construction projects, we recommend you take action. Deliver a safety talk, have a meaningful conversation with your workers about the hazards relating to working at heights, but most importantly, about safety tips, practices, and expectations to ensure they get home safe to their loved ones each and every day. For more on this topic, visit itosafetypodcast.ca for your link to fall prevention tools and resources. I'm Enzo Garitano, and thanks again to our host, Michelle Roberts, and special guest, Brian Barron, Senior Manager with the Construction Health and Safety Program of the Ministry of Labor, Training, and Skills Development. Thanks for listening.
2: The IHSA
0: Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.